What's going on, everybody? It's another episode of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LeFave. You can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.LeFave, on Twitter at JevinLeFave. Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LeftSideHeavy underscore. Be sure to head to the YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Left Side Heavy. It's another installment of Kickback and Relax. It is the 12th one, and I'm featuring my good friend who I've... It's actually been a while since we've talked, but I reached out to him, Troy Hat. He has been an actor slash producer slash writer for about for some good amount of years. And he moved up to L.A. and he kind of tells a story about how he got into acting, big celebrities he's met, and some new ventures that he set his, um, his life on. So it is a very good episode. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help grow the show. And here is Troy Hat. It's kickback and relax number 12, episode 60 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LeFave. You can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.LeFave, on Twitter at JevinLeFave. Find everything for the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at LeftSideHeavy underscore. If you're just listening to the audio, be sure to head to the YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Left Side Heavy. Today, I welcome on a very, very good friend. Somehow crossed paths years and years ago, but it almost it ultimately led to destiny. He's currently just finished his personal screenplay, romantic comedy, Drunk Jenny Sober. Nailed it. Nailed it. Troy Hat, <laughs> thank you for coming on. Thank you. Everyone else sit back and relax while Jevin tries to figure out everything else behind the scenes, and I try <laughs> to keep people entertained. <laughs> Y'all sit back and relax. So how have you been, man? It's been a I've while been since we've co- uh, connected. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been seeing each other in person. And I, I want to know how you're doing today, actually. I mean, I'm operating off four hours of sleep because I was editing the episode that just dropped. And, yeah, I had to get up at 6 a.m. for school. And I went to bed at 2 in the morning. So I had to take about a hour and a half two hour nap when i got home today so i'm kind of running on fumes right now <laughs> so it's funny because i told you i was like all the stories are going to come in based off of like initial interactions and yeah this little sheet that i definitely don't have that tells me about <laughs> interesting things to talk about <laughs> it's not going to be used at all okay so six months into being in la like me and my sister grew up on the prices right and oh, so we okay. would watch it like every day. Like that was our yeah. thing, especially in the summer, which is the only time we would watch it because we were in school. And uh, so I knew a friend and he tells me, he goes, okay, like The Price is Right was filmed right near my place, which is like sick. And I was like, he's like, okay, so if you want to get on The Price is Right, you have to uh, be like super energetic at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Like, which is just rare for people. Most people are just not that type of person. Even with coffee, it hasn't even kicked in yet. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I can do that. I'm that B, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we go in line 
and there's this guy kind of like just kind of uh sitting down in a chair like this like a director's chair and he's like all right so uh, how's it going where's up you know what I mean? He's got, he's, he has like a huge coffee beside him too, because yeah, that's what he needs to do it. And I'm like, what's up? You know, it's like this drama class game of like, I give you energy. You give me energy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, hey, nailed it. Never, never thought anything about it though. I was like, okay, I did that. So we go into the studio. The studio is like tiny compared to what you see on TV because they use special lenses to make everything look massive in there. Yeah. They're bumping music. So it's easy just to like get into it, especially for me. And I was with Jerome, my husband, and yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah, like I can do this. And I was with that friend that told me what to do also. So I was like, okay, I'm in good company. And they do the first like quarter of the show. And I'm just like amazed, like seeing how everything works behind the scenes. Drew Carey comes on and he's got like, um, like a brace on his foot. So he's under, he's like heavily medicated. So this is where it ties into what you were saying. It was like, somebody please like entertain because I'm not having it today. And I do the show every day. So he walks on and like in crutches almost. And he may have had crutches, don't remember, but he's like hobbling onto the set and trying to just do this show. And I'm basically going, I'm going to, I'm going to make it on the prices. Right. Yeah. So I'm, like, I'm going to do impressions. I'm going to do all this stuff. <laughs> and I don't actually think I'm going to be called because they don't tell you. So I figured if I hadn't been told, I'm like, well, okay, well, that was sick, but I'm on the, like at the prices, right. That's still yeah. amazing. So all of a sudden, like, I forget who the announcer is now, but they call my name and I'm just like, yeah, cheering for whoever it is. Cause I'm just trying to be like a good audience. Member. Yeah. So we were taught in school. So I was like, my like drums, like shoving me like, go, go. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And yeah. then I look up and I see my name and I'm like, oh, no, I didn't, really. I didn't think I'd get this far. <laughs> <laughs> so i go up and i'm like literally i'm like i must entertain and be yeah. stupid i start doing robert de niro impersonations because that's what i just grew up doing from mad tv back in the day give us a little taste i was like hey how you doing mr drew Carey? how you doing <laughs> huh? how you doing and just like all that's that good. stuff and just completely embarrassed and just like they end up getting on the show and bidding a horrible bid on a new car, which is everything you want to hear when you think of yeah. the price is right. And I had no idea American dollar, Canadian dollar, and also just didn't know anything about money, period. So <laughs> I failed. I failed, but then I ended up spinning the wheel and spinning a dollar on the wheel, which is like dream come true. It's what you want twice. It's all about the and, wheel. And then I was like, okay, sweet. I have money for rent because I ended up <laughs> getting paid after it. But the thing about the game shows is they actually don't pay you until the episode airs. So if it doesn't air, you don't actually win anything that you actually got. Oh, so shit. insider so info. I got blessed. They they aired it. I was like, good. I was entertaining enough. You did. It was all about the De Niro impressions. <laughs> he was literally like laughing, but even I could tell he's like, oh, okay, we got one. <laughs> Some, some idiot who's willing to do anything. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's awesome. Uh, so I'm here to entertain. That's what I'm trying to say. That's why. Uh, that's why I uh, got you on. That's why I got you yeah. on. Bring the they energy. have on Tuesday. I'll probably have four hours sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's your day to day like right now? You're stationed in LA. Whereabouts in LA? Um, I'm in Burbank, and I lived in Hollywood for. 12 years so it's actually kind of rare a lot of people are kind of shocked when i say i lived in the same place for 12 years so the place i 
moved in LA when I first moved here was a place I basically grew up in LA um, from that pe time period from when I landed. And most people here are like moving around for a different place, but we had a connection with our, our landlord that went beyond just landlord friendship. Yeah. And uh, she actually like helped us through all our ups and downs and oh, trying wow. to just survive in Los Angeles. So it was like, in fact, we can't move anywhere else. We have to stay here. This is the best place for us. Um, and then I just moved to Burbank last year during COVID. So it was like culture shock of COVID-19 and trying to figure out how to remember to wear masks and stuff like that yeah. and stay six feet apart. And then also completely moving from something that I was so used to, to a completely different city, different, completely different vibe. One is suburban and the other one is like <laughs> rustic. <laughs> That's the best word for it. So I'm in Burbank. Do you see vloggers out there like day to day? Is it? It, it is that type of thing. <laughs> see, I don't, I don't, I see like YouTubers, I would say, um, because I just, yeah especially like the people that I, that I knew when I was on social media, a lot more like Cameron Dallas and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Like I've seen people like deliver food to him or seen people, I've seen Jack Black, like walk down the street and nobody bugging really? him. And I'm like, yeah, like we'll get into that. Cause that's kind of my favorite part about just talking about the industry is just being in LA and also being like super observant. And I've never like 13 years I've been through the ringer here and I still will get just as excited about seeing somebody that I grew up watching and be like, those are, those are my like favorite stories. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't until I kind of understood a little bit more of gratitude in yeah. life because before I was kind of just scrambling, just trying to make my mark. And so everything that I was accomplishing in acting seemed small to me and wasn't uh, consistent. And so I was just kind of really hard on myself. But now looking back, I'm like, you know, I've done some crazy things that most actors wouldn't even get a chance to do because they'd be too busy to get into the crap that I got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to answer your question, actually, uh, day to day, um, if I'm not going to set, so I do background work on commercials Okay. Uh, to, to fill my gaps when I'm not writing. And it's like this, you know, secret not so secret um kind of uh work that nobody moves here and goes i want to do i want to be behind the scenes in commercials yeah. like nobody ever does it but when you get here it's just something that has completely given me the time to call myself a working writer because i am able to work a few days uh doing that and completely have the freedom to be a writer so i consider myself a paid writer until i get my first big paycheck when it comes to writing, but my day to day is like over the years, this has been cultivated. This has not always been my day to day, yeah. but it's meditation, walk the dog, meditation, uh, exercise, and then get myself something to eat and then be like, sit myself on the desk and like, you will write for a certain period of time. And then after about two and a half hours, I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I write myself a note that tells me about what I last worked on for future Troy. So when future Troy comes and sits yeah. down at the computer, <laughs> I go like, sweet. Thanks. Past Troy. Yeah. <laughs> Dead serious. Like these are the things that I write about. I'm working on a self-improvement book. And these are the things that I write about. I'm like, be kind to your future self, yeah. write notes. To him. 
you won't remember. <laughs> oh, that's oh amazing. my god! Yeah, some yeah. I, I sometimes have to do that to myself. Like when, especially now that I'm in school, it's a little bit different. But I have to once I start getting stressed about the workload that's like getting on me, I just have to write down like a schedule of the next day that I have to follow in order to get at least like 80% of the stuff done or else right. I'll just be kind of winging it and not really set. I won't know what I actually have to do. So I'll just, or like a checklist or a schedule like, okay, you have class from this right after study for like two times over, like study the terms two times over. And then after yeah. that, you have to finish this, hand mm -hmm. it in. And then after that, do this. And so it's still the same level or same amount of stuff that I have to do that day, but just seeing it on paper and following a plan, it cuts time down and like it just relieves some stress or anxiety that is come up on me. And it's something that I've learned to do and it's actually helped like a lot, like many instances. And it's only been like three weeks into school. <laughs> yeah, there's mine right at my desk. And it's so funny, it's like not a, not everybody knows how to do that and not everybody knows to do that not everybody knows how to do that and yeah. do it consistently enough to go it's not supposed to just be done for school it needs to be done for life how do yeah. i take some i have one thing to think about when i write down my notes take a look at your notepad it's the only thing that i need to remember after that it's like it's all there laid out in front of me but if not we're like consistently thinking about 1800 different things about what we needed to do you know i don't even have it as like the things at the top of the things I don't get, don't get done quick. So I yeah. look at it enough times where I feel like the universe kind of conspires to like accomplish it for me yeah. or helps me out in some way. But that's good that you know how to do that. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that I've tried to develop over over time. But um, so you're in LA and you've kind of made it. Uh, your path has been through acting and stuff, but you somehow came across us bozos or <laughs> some of my bozos. Okay, friends I can get into that. <laughs> at, at the wave pool. Right. I wasn't there. We crossed paths a bit later, but yeah. take me through that day and how, <laughs> like, my friend, me and my friend group, like, crossed paths with Troy Hat at the Coquitlam wave pool. Like, hey, to how, all my how did friends. That day come <laughs> together like that's all my friends that would make sense <laughs> anyone who knows me that makes sense They're like troy loves that place uh i don't know i'm like a water guy i'm like it's a place where it's just like completely freeing and relaxing i can literally sit in a hot tub for like three hours yeah and um when it came to act first i'm on vacation whenever i'm there first off so i'm completely relaxed just like yes let's just meet whoever whatever personalities kind of come in my direction um, I was showing off on, on the diving board and they're like, yeah, dude, do that thing. And I'm like, <laughs> so easily it's like, okay, connection made. What's going on? Where are you guys from? Yada, yada, yada. Well, what were you doing? What were you doing? I'm like a jumping backflip that Brock Lesnar does on professional <laughs> wrestling <laughs> back in the day. If you really cared. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a non-closeted pro wrestling fan. I think I'm the only one out there there's very few people that will admit to watching anything like that. Um, so that kind of caught attention and I was like, just trying to literally, I'm like, yes, I will be a kid again. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. It's like, to me, those little interactions in life 
and that's kind of what I learned through the audition process was like I was starting to get to the point in my life where I was like the most exciting part about the audition was when it was over <laughs> because yeah. then I'd go back into life and I would go oh my god like my actually my favorite thing to do is usually I'd be like a friend would be like oh your audition is near my place let's come and hang out and I wouldn't just be hanging out this wasn't just like oh let's like chill and smoke weed or and, and relax it was like there's always something like fill me in on what's going on in your life because I'm starting to really, uh, I don't know. They were mentoring me. I was mentoring them. And those conversations became my, the most favorite thing in the world to me. So it's impossible to have a conversation now where I'm not offering advice and legitimately listening to what somebody's going through. And that's what cultivated my friendship with Liam was because it was like, like yo my girlfriend's dot 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 or something was going on and i was like hey let's let's go and i always back in the day i was always looking for distraction because i was annoyed that my acting career wasn't taking off the way i had envisioned yeah i had done so many amazing things in the process the way i envisioned wasn't going on so my next idea was like I'm just going to be on call for everybody. And it actually is this huge distraction for me that wasn't always healthy, but it was something where I felt useful. Yeah. And that was beneficial for me. And that's actually what led me to go when I had the vision of, uh, I want to, I think I should write, which I'll actually probably get into here. Um, it was like, I need to write self-improvement because this is that, wait a second, I think that's been one of my biggest passions all along. Um, yeah. And then mixing that in the entertainment industry with writing turned into, blossomed into my first screenplay. And I realized that I could offer the same advice and morals in an artistic form that allows yeah. me to still contribute to the industry that completely saved me as a person. That's amazing. What was the question? <laughs> I literally do that every time. <laughs> At the pool. Because. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, by the way, Troy, like, that's amazing because it's, it's always important to kind of reflect back on why this all started. And you yeah. wanted to, like, kind of make connections and put yourself in positions where if something wasn't going right try and like you said cultivate at least something out of the experience and if like like you said you're on vacation this is an opportunity to interact with new people and then maybe it can grow into something this and then maybe they have a friend who's has this and has a podcast one day and i was like hey i've never i've never disappeared like if if somebody like well, you know, in, in social media, when we're constantly exposed to faces, you go, oh, I was just thinking about you. I'm like, well, yeah, duh, you saw me like yeah. 10 minutes ago when you were scrolling. But as I kind of started to step away from social media, which is a whole story unto itself, um, because I was really doing social media for a while hard at one point, and le- hearing from people that aren't seeing or or speaking to me because I just posted it actually it makes it even more intense because you really get to see who's are you who's legitimately thinking about you and who is like I saw your post and I wanted to say hello 
it's apples and oranges because I love hearing from anybody <laughs> as any human does. Yeah. So I was like, I'll take any attention, but <laughs> hearing from people that aren't constantly that you haven't heard from in, in a while. Cause it's been a while since, yeah, we were in the same place together for sure. Yeah. The last time we were together, it was me, Liam, and we went to, we either went to a wave pool or castle fun park. It was one of the Something fun. Yeah. But so you met like, Edie and Liam and a few other people at the wave pool, right? Right. They that, were all, that, they were yeah. all there. That was yeah. the very first time. And then we crossed, I think I was hanging out with them and then we somehow like met up somewhere. I can't remember. I think exactly I stayed in, where. I stayed in touch. I stayed, Liam stayed in touch with me. Yeah. We, you, got we, added we to our, you got added to our group chat. <laughs> <laughs> that was my invested my investigation now when i write uh people your age i go yes i know exactly how to write these characters (laughs) (laughs) i'm like and let me log off this is enough (laughs) yeah i just remember in the group chat because i don't think i like yeah i wasn't there for the interaction and the next thing you know i'm looking in the group chat like a couple days later and i see this troy guy talking and i'm like (laughs) Who is this? <laughs> and I then, feel like it's like I think of like the outsiders. It's like the older brother who who comes in and teaches these like talks to all these guys about about life and stuff like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, is going through their own situations and strife, and then somehow they ended up like commingling and the people that survived that that friendship. And then you just like all of a sudden, all these years pass. And you're like, whoa. Okay, yeah. so these are the these somehow this was how everything was supposed to play out. So immediately when you're like, "Hey, want to do the podcast?" I'm like, "Of course I want to. Let me see what's going on with my schedule. What's what's the right thing to do and all that stuff like that." But I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like first boundaries first, and then let me figure out what I'm gonna yeah, how I'm gonna ap- sure. approach this and, and what do I have to say about because originally you approached me just on acting, and I'm like, I have so much to say on it." And at the same time, I have so much other stuff going on, but it's all from the same. It's all about being involved in the entertainment industry in Los Angeles and the right stories come out through just conversations, which to me, the variable of who I'm going to meet in a day and what's going to come about is what's always been the most exciting to me. Well, um, speaking of the entertainment industry and uh, acting and writing screenplays and behind the scenes at commercials like what kind of got you into that like from the start what inspired you to get into acting and just that art okay well first off i was a guy who didn't hate commercials i was a guy walking around singing all the jingles from the commercials back in the day and like i'm talking yeah. for cocoa puffs and stuff like yeah. that like just doing <laughs> if you know me it's like i'm always just doing voices it just i don't know brings me joy um and so I started out like when I was 11 years old here, I'm trying to think of, this is the best way to start. I would go to my cousin's place and he had all these movies that my family just didn't, didn't have. So I would go into, my parents would be like, you know, back in the day, they don't smoke anymore, but they're like, they're smoking cigarettes or having beers or playing seventies uh, music, like patio lanterns and stuff. And it's my, it's their best, their best friends. Nice. I'm glad you know. Okay. The, um, so it's their best friends, but they're my aunts and my uncles now. Yeah. That's how I, how I refer to them. And so my cousin had all these great VHS tapes. And so actually like in the back here, I have like the VHS tapes that he used to have in VHS, 
form. And uh, it was Back to the Future, E.T., uh, Batman, and then like Jurassic Park, yeah. So the classics, the, the, classics. The, Spielberg, the Spielberg classics and Tim Burton and yada, yada, yada. But when I was watching those movies, I, I was like, I was in it. The, the room was dark. My parents are having fun. And I'm like, I'm like in the zone and I'm escaping whatever it is that I'm going through at the time, which turns out ended up being a lot. And I, that's what initially got me in. So I take a trip to Disneyland, which is, to me is just amazing because you know, we're middle-class family being able to go to Disneyland. Some people never get to go Yeah. Uh, in our position and to being, uh, getting to go to Disneyland was huge. So we did Disney and Universal. There's a special effects show at Universal Studios at the time. This was 98. And we, uh, they had the Back to the Future was part of the special effects show. And so now I'm like coming face to face with like the thing that I love and then seeing it in person. And then there's a part of me that's my brain is still trying to figure out what the hell this all means. But my dad gets uh, asked to play Doc Brown in a sequence where the clock turns around and it looks like he's been fried. My sister does this like terrifying psycho stream from uh, back in the day. And I get to go in this DeLorean and pretend to make out with this older woman who's being supposed to be playing my girlfriend, but they just picked her at random. And I'm like, wait, do you really want me to kiss her? I don't freaking know how this stuff works. Yeah. So after that, like, it was like LA, LA. Like I love, I love being there. I want to go back. And it wasn't, I did musical theater, yada, yada stretch. Then it became my sister did background work. And then I started to find out and it seems really odd, man. I don't know if it's just, the curtains kind of been pulled back more but when i was growing up i just didn't know that these actors and actresses were like people that were just like us that were wandering around and all that stuff it took me so long i feel like longer than a kid would even realize before i was like wait this is what's going on this is how all this is done so my sister kind of paved the way yeah. um, to do background work and then i did like background work really initially and was like okay now i'm on set so I got approached after I was doing musical theater and I got, I was doing this musical called Grease <laughs> that of course everybody knows, but uh, I was doing Grease and somebody told me that there were some agents that were scouting in the, and I didn't understand that. It's like, well, I'm doing musical theater. Why, why are they scouting for TV again? It's like two different mediums. I didn't yeah. really understand it. And they chose me to go to this audition. I <laughs> auditioned for them and they were like, okay, cool they kind of snickered back and forth and they were like well i don't know about theatrical which means i don't know if you can act but you have a cool look let's put you in commercials and give me a ticket to an acting class and i was like oh great so he basically said i don't know how to act but i have a cool face and good energy and i'm polite and will do what i'm told and got to the audition on time so i'm dependable and so from then on i literally went you know what, if I just do commercials, like I'm set, like I never thought I would be doing any of this. And yeah. that progression turned into, oh, if I, I'm not auditioning for one liners. If I just get like one line, like that's sick. I'm set. Oh man, a couple, couple scenes in a movie or a guest star. I'm set. That'd be sick. <laughs> I just yeah. like it kept just kind of tiptoeing through the industry until I was, I had my first time auditioning. I auditioned for, I think it was like a year and I thought I would audition four times and get something. I had gotten the hard part. I get an agent. That's the hardest part. 
four years or sorry for um for what i don't even know what i'm talking about uh i would get like four auditions and then i'd be like okay i'd be set yeah um and it wasn't the case so i did audition after audition and you think okay yeah the audition's 20 minutes away from your house no big deal but you're trying to take time off work you're barely making any money as it is i was working at mcdonald's and i was at one point i was doing temp work at a <laughs> some factory screwing lids onto weight gain bottles <laughs> it's just like insane stuff just yeah. trying to make sure that i had a free schedule um and i then i'm like driving from coquitlam all the way to vancouver in traffic so that's 50 minutes there 50 minutes back and then times that by a hundred it's enough to make somebody question whether they want to do it at all yeah um and then a year later i end up getting my first role um and it was literally i walk in i go to see my agent and this is actually how the opening of my self-improvement book starts spoiler but uh my agent at the time was like i don't really know what to do with you and i'm like great that's super awesome. confident now thanks <laughs> thank you for um that. and he's like listen I, I you're not gonna get this role but i just want the casting director to see you and i'm like sweet okay i'm like i can handle this it's you know it, this is a tough business you yeah. know my sister found it extremely difficult to the point where she stopped pursuing acting because of the, these types of comments that can just gut you yeah um and i was like okay cool so you know 50 minute drive back it's enough time to think and I'm like, okay, like game on. Like I'm gonna get. I, like I have to get this role because this, yeah. this guy is talking to me like this. Like I have to get this role. So it was a role for a goth kid on a very short-lived show called called Painkiller Jane back in the day on what was is the CW. Okay. Um, and uh, I was like, okay, so I go to Pine Tree Secondary, so my old high school. And I go into the, I, I had kept my connections with them again, kind of going back to our initial conversations of keeping everything as a family and not losing touch with anybody yeah. <laughs> that I meet. And I'm like, I need a trench coat. <laughs> I need this, that, or the other. And I went and got fake piercings and guy liner. And I was like, I show up into the audition room and I like look through the glass doors and everyone's in regular clothing. And I'm like, I open the door and I'm like, uh, is this the audition for a goth kid? Paint painkiller jane because you don't be like you don't really remember the names of everything yeah. you're just like i just gotta go yeah. and do it i'm trying to remember my lines not the name of the show and um i had no lines but anyway i go in and this guy is like has anybody acted before and i'm like oh god at that point i had been in like acting classes for a minute and i'm like this is really like i'm like raise my hand like oh come on <laughs> of course i can act yeah <laughs> but after, yeah, it's like really prove it and literally i made like this faces of like um just being like a goth person so rolling the eyes in the back of my head just pretending to be the undertaker and just being stupid right yeah um and then as i'm driving back my agent calls me and he's like i don't know what you did in that room but you booked the role and i'm just like crying screaming run home run up the stairs like that's amazing f you yeah thank you <laughs> and that was like the first role i got no lines no anything and how much effort that took just to get that i had a very i should have known then that i had a very interesting trajectory for this business and what 
I'm yeah. just going to kind of come across because it's just not conventional. Or is it? That's that journey is amazing. That was very well told, Troy. That was very well. Told. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so, how long did that uh, that show last? Like, how long was it on air? So it was on. It was on air for a year. And when I show up, like again, I'm green. This is my. First, I'm like, you know, I'm just trying to prove to my parents that I made the right decision not to go to college. So I'm taking photos of me and my trailer and sending it to my mom. Like, mom made it. Got my trailer. This is the beginning of everything. Um, and, uh, I walk into set and the director's like, who are you? I didn't wear the makeup or the trench coat or bring any of the things that I brought to my audition. I just showed up as me and I look like Corey from boy meets world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I have short hair. I'm like pale skin, no sun. It's Coquitlam. Uh, barely any sun, uh, has hit my face and I show up and he's like, I don't know what you're supposed to play on this show, but we don't have anything for you. Right. But no, I'm like, I didn't bring my stuff. And he's I got this French accent. He's like, I just to let you know, next time, bring all your stuff. Huh? <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay, sorry. So they are forced to use all their stuff. To I had done a wardrobe fitting, so I figured they're giving me all my stuff. But the fact is I showed up not authentic. Yeah. And they were like, what's wrong with you? And uh, yeah, there was a lot of weird drama that was happening. The director was having a lot of difficulty just managing what was needed to be done for the day but it only ended up lasting a year actually the lead on the show was the girl who was in terminator 4 that was it for me that that was i was like yes you were in something that i watched as a kid and are somehow attached to arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> through the lineage i'm like yes, yeah i basically met arnold schwarzenegger yeah like, pretty that's much how i was feeling yeah so then i was like i didn't it didn't matter to me and i was just went back to acting classes and was like, well, I need to do better. So someone actually gives me a chance to say something on screen. Dear God, let that happen eventually. So what was like a, the day to day to the, to that show? Like you, you go into each day and one day, Oh, it was just one day, just one day, man, all those auditions. And it was just one day. I go back to the audition circuit, back to trying to figure out who's going to give me, an opportunity to do one thing. Wow. Um, so the things that I did get were monumental. If anything, I was like happy to be, I'm trying to think of what I worked on, but I was doing, I was doing background work at the time. Cause I was like, Oh, I just want to be at least be, you know, connected to the industry in some way, shape or form and not have to do the restaurant job, which isn't even, um, you know, they were, they were really nice to me, but nobody wants to hear, Hey, I know I'm supposed to work tomorrow, but that's not going to happen. Or I need to leave at one. It's just, they have to love you. Yeah. And they were pretty nice to me, but still nobody wants to hear that. And managers like, Hey, I'm going to support your headache. And again, it just adds to the pressure of like, you want to book this role because your manager let you go out that one time. And that wasn't the case all the time for me. It was rare. What are some of the commercials that you have done? Um, so the biggest thing that I shot when I was in Canada. So, I mean, I did pretty good considering that I went from 2000 and I started in 2006 was probably when I was auditioning and by 2008, I had left LA. So when I think about just even a two year time period, when I really think about it, I'm like, Oh, I did, I did pretty well for myself. 
So I, I did, uh, as a whole, I did four different shows. And then the biggest commercial that I booked there was just, just before I left. And it was for Prairie Milk. <laughs> so Prairie it wasn't even milk. a got, uh, it wasn't even a got milk commercial. It was <laughs> Prairie Milk. And it was like, but it was such a big campaign with a casting director that was doing some of the big commercial castings. And yeah. some, someone gave me the opportunity to be uh, the lead in the commercial. And so I was like, okay. And I missed out on McDonald's, which is something that I've always wanted to be a part of because I had worked at McDonald's for four years. Yeah. Um, that was my whole high school experience with all my friends. So I was like, I want to do the commercial for them one day. Um, so I don't get, I get put on hold for like the McDonald's commercial and the campaign for the McDonald's commercial was like, um, I'm walking down the street to like rock music, the character is. And uh, then he looks up and he sees a billboard and it says, Hey, Troy, your fly's undone. And then he looks down, zips up his fly. And then it says McDonald's always working for you. So come work for us. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, I want that. I want that. I want that. That is the cheesiest, most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. Let me do this commercial. Didn't get that commercial. And I was so bummed that the next commercial that came up, I just really feel like the casting director went to bat to like try and make sure that I was a part of that project. And so I get this Prairie Milk commercial and it isn't a small commercial. It's just not for got milk. Well, I'm like I'm not in the US, so I'm sure there's certain things that I'm just not going to be a part of, which was always yeah. in my mind. Um, and so I do this Prairie Milk commercial and again, one day shoot, they actually had a computer screen with somebody, I don't know if it was like a friend of the director or maybe even the director himself. I've never actually seen this done very often, but he had basically, I think they were on such a time constraint for shooting in that location, which was, I think like it was Langley or Richmond. I don't remember, but it was this old abandoned house and it was supposed to be this, like, it's supposed to be shot like a horror film. And so I actually felt like I was like, okay, I got something juicy to sink myself into. And so I get there going, I don't really know what I'm doing because we audition and then they could literally have something completely different. You're just the guy. And I show up, Hey, I'm the guy. And yeah. uh, <laughs> they're like, um, they show me this computer screen and it's basically the whole commercial already shot with somebody who uh, doesn't act. He's not an actor. I mean, he was fine to the point where I was like, I better get in there and do my thing or else I'm just going to use the one they shot. Yeah. <laughs> but he, was, he wasn't supposed to be in it at all. And I was like, I'm a mimic. As like even the De Niro stuff, it's like it's all just kind of mimicry. That's kind of how what I grew up on, just kind of um, doing impersonations of things that I saw. And so I basically got to look and just do what they had already done and just add my own element to it. And I just remember hearing that the camera guy, the main camera uh the camera operator was uh had worked on jurassic park or something like that and he could have been lying wow. to me. <laughs> he, could have been, <laughs> he could have very well been lying to me now that i think about it but i was like okay like you've made it that's it you're done <laughs> you don't have to do fair anything enough. else yeah fair enough. Ding. <laughs> um <laughs> and then the commercial ended up getting traction because they were only airing it in Alberta, Saskatchewan, you know, yada, yada, prairies. So it wasn't airing here, but it was airing in the movie theaters in those areas. And I have some family over there. So they were showing me that it was airing. And then it was got, I got put on like bus stops and stuff like that. And one of my girlfriend's dads had worked 
in that industry as somebody who is doing the, uh, the putting those posters in the bus stops and ended up getting me all these like massive posters of my face that I still have. So wow. that was like the, one of the biggest things I got before I moved to LA. And then when I got here, the biggest thing I did was a Honda commercial that aired during the Olympics. And I think that's probably, if I'm a deja vu to anybody, that's one of the biggest like exposures that I had gotten just because it just, everyone was watching the Olympics that year and was able to kind of see. That's amazing. Honda commercial. I remember seeing that, watching that one on YouTube, your hair is flowing in the wind. Yeah. So that was a two day shoot. Yeah. like, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you got the two days. They trusted me to come back a second day. I didn't have a car and I was shooting a Honda commercial. I had my roommate drive me to the, to the, to to set because I didn't have a car and I'm shooting a car commercial. And that one, that one was a whole, again, everything has like its own intense story. Everything that I booked has its own very like intense story to it. What car did your friend drop you off in? Honda. A Honda? <laughs> oh, good. Getting off on the right foot. <laughs> ups, ups to you for asking the, the good questions. <laughs> Drops you off in a Volkswagen. He's like, exactly, you know yeah. Just go home. It's like... Ah, and of course, the thing was like, are they going to give you a car? I'm like, damn, I hope so. <laughs> I oh really my hope God. so. Yeah. Uh, I think one cool thing, you were in the We Are Young fun music video it's so funny that you bring it up yeah because i actually when i was writing down like things about like because everything like i said everything that i've been in has like this super intense story to it even though it seems minuscule in the grand scheme first off didn't know fun didn't know it was going to be a banger and i such a good song (laughs) so we get it's one of the at the at some point or the other it was like one of the most downloaded i don't know if it's like the most downloaded music videos or watched on youtube but it was like it's up there as like one of the music videos that so many people have seen and my story about it was was so unique because i was doing background work and uh on the fun music video and we don't know what it's for all we know is that in order to shoot it how they shot it, which is everything's moving slow motion, but the song is going at the correct pace, when you get to set, it goes, tonight, we are young, we are young. They have it going as fast as it can, and then everyone moves in regular pace, and then when they slow it down, the song's going at the correct time. So we didn't know that they were, I, excuse me, I won't say we, I didn't know that they were doing it. Uh, doing that. So when I hear the song, I'm like, oh, this is a cool song. It's kind of a sick song, but I don't know who's going to listen to a song at hyperspeed. Um, so we, <laughs> I swear I'm smarter than I was. It's, it's hard to sing along to. This is, this is tough. <laughs> this, is a different, this is a different approach to a song. Yeah. Again, we I didn't know the group at all. I mean, to me, it was their their initial hit. So I have a couple stories. What I wrote down, actually, I have a couple stories of two people that I worked on that weren't hits until like two weeks or however long after that the music video aired and the song came out. I'm like, that's the song. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it so slow? Now? <laughs> <laughs> um, so music videos are often really long days compared to, of course, TV will have long days. Commercial can have long days, but music videos like a guarantee. They're going to shoot as much as they can with the artist in 14 hours. 
Um, and sometimes they will go over that, which is insane, but it's, uh, I don't know. Um, so if you see the music video, you obviously watched it. They're throwing stuff at us. There, there's pies, there's cakes, there's things are being destroyed. There's powder. So what do me and my friend do? <laughs> We're trying to not be seen in this music video. <laughs> Literally going, okay, let's not, let's not be a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> They're not paying us more to have stuffed cake and stuff going yeah. on. So we go 10 hours skidding around, trying to not like, want to go get a burrito? Yeah. I don't think anyone will notice that. Oh my God. And so, and I'm like, the amount of stuff that they would do in certain videos and stuff, I was like, okay, this is too much. I I'm the first person to raise my hand normally, but when it got intense, we just got smarter. We're like, I can see where this is headed. They're paying us such and such money to do regular stuff, but this looks like it's going to be intense. And so we skirt around probably till like the 12 hour mark. We do some minor things here or there, but finally they, uh, they call and they're like, Hey, who can swing a bat? And I'm like, oh, I'll do it. <laughs> and they're like, okay, quick, come here, come here, come here. You're the guy, you're the guy. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, sweet. And so, it normally, if we were under uh, SAG rules, which is the union, they it would be considered a stunt to stand on some slippery surface and swing a bat while they throw crap at you just trying to hit. I actually have a behind the scenes of that video and I'm like, oh yeah, it's about as intense as I expected it was, but it was going in slow motion to me. Um, and they make me stand on this bar top that's been soaked and they're like, oh, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, you are going to say you're okay because it's happening. Like, yeah. I this is happening and they're they hand me this bar which is completely black we're in this dark out bar which means when i swing i don't see anything yeah <laughs> and so they're like okay uh, we're gonna huck a few things at you and um so just kind of like take your best way yeah i played baseball for eight seasons as a kid but was i currently playing baseball no <laughs> but i was like all right let me do this like I can swing a bat like so they throw cake at me swing hit they throw something at me miss throw something at me miss, miss. <laughs> and i'm like you don't want your excuses but i'm like hey listen the bar is black and i can't say what the bar it's what oh, never mind forget oh, yeah. it okay just throw something else and they uh end up just like hucking this watermelon and because in slow motion, it's cool. But in reality, I just nailed the watermelon. So it, they throw it up and I'm just like, <laughs> and everyone goes, oh, and then the director's like, oh, that's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be it. And so as much as everybody had spent 12, 13, 14 hour days filling in the scenery, the one part where they use the whole shot or a few of the parts, one of the few parts that they actually used was me like swinging this thing in slow motion, nailing this watermelon. And I'm like, yeah, it's in that music video, but the actual story to it is so, so much That's different amazing. than what transpired. You think people audition, you think people are like, yes, I need to be in this music video. It's going to be a hit. And then however long later, very short time later, it was like, this is one of the most downloaded or uh, viewed on YouTube music videos that's out there. And I was like, yeah nobody would know and i and i wouldn't tell anyone back in the day now i i just really worry less about 
how people perceive everything to be because I think it's actually more important for people to realize how what the reality is of it even though it is peeling back the curtain and you want to just be like yeah I auditioned and I beat out 800 people we have those stories I have those stories too but that's not one of them <laughs> that is that's such a cool music video to be a part of because it was so unique compared to all the other music videos that were out there like just the concept of it is so different the slow-mo everything is so random and not really related to the song itself i mean there had to be a reason besides the song just being like a great anthem there had to be a reason that people viewed it as many times as they did but i mean i just was watching myself over and over again and i didn't yeah. do that many views <laughs> <laughs> did you were any of the band members there because they had to be in the video too yeah right? they were, yeah they were all there i just didn't know who any of them were so i wasn't excited know who they were were they were they cool people yeah everyone was nice actually that's the thing okay i wrote this down because i was like i don't want to forget okay so foster the people we were aware of foster the people yeah. most people know their song how pumped up kicks so they were doing another they were doing a music video at the time same deal x work yada yada and um they were doing um um their music video for I forget what it is. It's one of their songs on their album that didn't get quite as many plays. But I, we are um, Foster the People, their song uh, Pumped Up Kids hadn't came out yet. Uh, so I'm sitting there behind the scenes, don't know them. So again, I'm not freaking out, but I'm like, yeah, these guys are these guys are pretty good. Like I kind of yeah. like them. So I'm sitting with this girl and now I'm just chatting, same thing as the wave pool. I'm like, we're just hanging out. We're like, hey, nice to meet you. What's going on? She's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, my boyfriend, he's up there. He's one of the singers. He's the lead singer. Whoops. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, sweet. So I'm just chatting with her, and I'm really not thinking about it, anything. About yeah. anything. And then all of a sudden, the guy comes down, the, the lead guy from Foster the People comes down. He's standing right in front of me. He's like, what's up? And I'm like, and I was just all of a sudden kind of got the gauge of like lead singer talking to girlfriend extra. <laughs> Let me get out of here. But no, instead I was like, yeah, man, this is, I really like your music, man. I think you guys are going to go far. And like literally a week later, I think it was like a week later, pumped up kicks came out and like took over the airwaves pretty much as much as we are young did. And I was like, what is with me? Like, what am I that doing is, That's so funny. Yeah, like, she totally thought I was hitting on his girlfriend. And I was like, my bad. And I'm like, yo, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to say it, bro. Wasn't going to happen, but it's still I'll go back to holding. <laughs> I'll go back. I know my place. I get it. But it's I just, I wouldn't, I, I, I would talk to... Um, the actors and the actors, because what, well, like, they really don't want you to. I think I had the tact to at least go, oh, you're about to shoot, go do your thing. And I've had instances where you can tell that they're like, they don't want you talking, but I actually become acquaintances of, of certain people in the industry that mean more to me than the person that was just trying to make sure that the rules stayed in place and that the wrong person the wrong type of person didn't come up and be like, hey, can I have a hug? And you're just like, okay, 
this is the why the rules in place yeah like me are fine and i've made so many connections uh through that over the years um yeah that's so like you've ran into these singers and just like people on commercials like have you met any like cool like celebrities top of the top of the, top of yeah. the line like just this even, is a story that my friend would get upset that i tell in my head because i actually i'm like i used to say it to friends but in reality he's probably going like why did you do this to me um he had he had tickets to an event and he's like you want to go and again like my ego's insane because i'm just not where i want to be in my career so the only way that my ego can be as inflated as it can be is to go, I live in LA, okay? This is old hat. The arc light, yeah, I know where the arc light is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's the only way that the confidence could fuse through me because I just wasn't, my my friend is an actor who's worked on multiple shows and I'm like, I, I'm not at that level. So the only thing I do is like, fish out of water, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so he says, Arclight, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I got tickets to Hot Tub Time Machine. And I'm like, sweet, premiere Hot Tub Time Machine, any premiere is great. I'm gonna yeah. sit in the theater with all the actors and my friend who's an actor. And in reality, it was like, I get to spend more time with one of my, one of my friends. And so that was really sick. Um, so we go there and we're a little bit late, naturally, trying to get anywhere in LA traffic, which is intense as vancouver traffic as, yeah as i've heard i've heard LA yeah. traffic is an absolute in certain show. areas in certain areas yeah um and so i go there and they're like oh we don't have we don't have tickets for you to go and sit with the actors and i'm like eh, bummer like i'm sorry like i should have spoke up sooner and made sure that this happened or we got here earlier and they're like, but we have tickets for you to kind of like sit with the producers and all that. I was like, yawn. <laughs> okay, fine. That's cool. Hot, the producers of Hot Tub Time Machine, who the hell could they be? Like, it's yeah. like raunchy comedy. I get it. Uh, mind you, this is Troy back then speaking. Okay, now I know that anybody is anybody. I'm a little bit more conscious of all that stuff. But at the time, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. Time Machine, who, do the, who could the producers be? And this is why. So, everyone is going upstairs to go and hang out with the actors. We're going downstairs with the producers. And so the juxtaposition of like, everyone growing up, we're going down. So yeah. It's like, it's like too much to handle. So um, we go there and we get in this line and it's, again, it's bougie it's premiere. They want it to do well. So they're serving us popcorn. They want everybody to enjoy the movie. It's all part of the expense. And we're standing in line and I like look over and I look up and I see Katie Holmes and I'm like, huh <laughs> what is she doing here yeah. <laughs> and then i would go like this and i'm like oh shit it's tom cruise i'm in the same place as tom cruise oh god and i look over at my friend and my friend is like don't you dare <laughs> don't you dare <laughs> okay well, i promise i won't do anything i won't say hello because you know they know me um so we go and we i'm getting like chills talking about it because it was so monumental to me but we we skirt around and we get into the proper line that's going into the theater after we grab our our uh uh popcorn and stuff and the line is taking forever to move <laughs> i look over at my friend i go 
I'll be right back. I'm going to go talk to Tom Cruise. <laughs> so I walk away from him. I, I doubt I, I even looked over to see if he was okay with it, which I'm sorry if he's hearing this. But I was like, I have to. Because yeah. when, when? Maybe, when? Maybe, maybe for sure another time. But for sure? For sure? Right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I walk over and, I, and I'm like, hey, Tom. Not even like Mr. Cruz, no tech. Just like, I don't know if in my brain did all the calculations of, he's not going to turn around unless it's formal. Yeah. So I say, hey, Tom. And he turns around and I like shake his hand. And he's got this huge grin on his face. Just the nicest freaking guy. And just... <laughs> Thank you so much. And yeah. um and then I was like, Oh Katie, you're you're gorgeous, you're you're beautiful. Like don't don't discount it. Don't discount it. Like yeah. I'm here to see you too. But Tom Cruise, <laughs> <laughs> you married him, you get it. Um and I was like, that was that was probably like my biggest moment when I really think about running into somebody unexpectedly. He's the guy. I mean Tom and Cruise I, is as like a list as it gets to me when it comes to a legend of the cinema screen and the star star there are people that are somewhat comparable but for somebody like you start going into other genres you start going like spielberg you start going yeah. in other different areas of the screen and then there's people that you know it's like the george clooney's that you don't see walking around all the time and brad pitt you know, I've seen him walk through the studio and all that stuff. I mean, still, it was like, Rapids are like up there because again, he's a star star too. Yeah. But the other one was, uh, I was probably drove like one street up from my, from my, uh, from my place onto Melrose, which is a major street. So you will yeah. see people there. Um, and again, I was lucky enough to like live right in that area where, it was uh, quiet and then you walk up and then it's like this busy street with all the, you know, youngins. And I like, I'm driving, I don't know where I'm going. I don't remember where I was going, but I look over and I see some guy in a motorcycle and I was like, I was like, Keanu Reeves drives a motorcycle. What if it's Keanu Reeves? That's, that's Keanu Reeves. That is Keanu Reeves. What? And I'm like, Matrix speed like yeah let's go like matrix is enough for me i don't care you don't have to do anything else um and i like rolled down my window because i am that guy and i'm like neo <laughs> and he's like, like pulls down his visor and he's like what's up man <laughs> and i was like what's up i love you oh, that's <laughs> amazing like, thanks, thanks a lot and so those are like the little instances where even even actually the hot tub time machine i ended up getting into the premiere of it through another friend of mine that was in hot tub hot tub, hot tub time machine at the time at the time in the movie and uh he ended up getting us and there was like michael Sarah was there and uh john cusack was there like there's a few people that i don't know i'm a huge fan of movies so i was just yeah. cool to be around these people and michael Sarah is so out. funny so good. I love Michael Sarah. Hey, how's it going? How's it going, man? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, sweet, what's up? <laughs> so, him and this is the end. So funny. Him and he, super bad everything, man. Yeah, super bad. He like he's one of the guys where it's like he plays roles like 
perfectly. Like he's casted in every role that he's in. Like it's the people that are hard to replace. Yeah. Like you don't know too many people out the, out there like them. When I was acting, that's who I would get compared to because I was always just kind of like the awkward kind of unsure person, which yeah. is exactly who I was when I was auditioning. So that's what I would go out for and get very close to getting some of these major, major parts, but never quite hit the way that I was expecting and hoping to. When and met- was never supposed to when I think about my life now. When you met Tom Cruise... <laughs> just a tiny man. A tiny man. You sound like, <laughs> <laughs> <sound> like that bastard. <laughs> the tiny man. Look at the tiny guy. Oh, great man. Great movie. Yes, I, I I saw Katie Holmes and then I stood on my tippy toes and I saw him. And I hope he never hears that I said that. But <laughs> it was it was it was it was real, dude. And it's it it's, makes the story. And I hope that he's cool enough to understand how funny that shit is because you're it is like, funny. You're just like, I did. Talk, <laughs> like, you're yeah. talking. You're talking to Katie Holmes, and you're like, just like on top of his head, just moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Cut this interview. Uh. <laughs> Airpods out. Oh, no, man. I love. I love. He knows. I said it, and then didn't wash my hand for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but switching over into writing, you yeah. You said like that. You're doing this more than the acting gig and just kind of take me through the whole experience, the decision of committing to the switch over into writing and kind of how it's gone so far. I messaged you privately that I was like, my biggest passions have become self-improvement and mental health. And because that's what led me to the thing that I feel like I was destined to kind of, be a part of in the way that I was. So when it came to acting, I did not see myself contributing to the industry in any other way. I attempted to write in a few few instances. Um, Once when I was eight years old, I was always writing and creating short stories and bringing them to family reunions and everyone's, oh, that's cute and all the stuff. And I had things to say. I mean, the thing that I wrote at eight years old was please stop smoking. So it was kind of like (laughs) my parents were actually pretty cool because in reality, I was basically telling them to stop smoking at yeah. eight, eight or nine. I don't know how old I was, but I was young AF. And then really quickly sometime at 22, 23, I was trying to write and I felt a moment there, but when it didn't go anywhere, I was just like, boom, okay, not enough success for me. I'm out of there. Um, so sobriety is actually what brought me to writing. So I, at one point was smoking a lot of weed and it was my favorite. And I still say it is my favorite because I didn't give it up because I hated it. (laughs) I gave it up because I loved it too much. Um, Coping mechanism, just not being where I wanted to be in life. And a lot has to do with where my career, I think it had a major role to play in, in going, I didn't have the ability to cope or, my perspective was just way off. I, yeah. even when I talk to you and I talk about these stories, I go, you'd go, what's your problem? Sounds like you had a really cool time, right? But when you have something else you envision in mind and it doesn't go the way you want, I found a way to cope and that's where I went. And um, 
wasn't that long, but it was enough to kind of having these dark moments of just kind of like, mm, I don't, I don't want to be around. I feel like it would be better if I wasn't personal life, um, happy in my marriage, not happy anywhere else. Um, and so I <laughs> kind of over time, I, I actually, someone, I confess that I just was not where I needed to be. I was just yeah. completely lost. I was going, I'm auditioning. I'm not making enough money. Um, I'm on a work visa. There's green card that needs to happen. I hear this ticking clock of like, you need to be this successful by this point. If you're going to be able to stick around and do it. all of these calculations and no notepad <laughs> dictating what it is I should be thinking about at what time. Um, just completely just messed up in the head. And so I go to a girlfriend of mine that is the owner of a, um, somebody who sends us out on our, uh, extra work. And she became like a spiritual friend of mine. And she is like, here's the four agreements. You should read this. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I need a blunt. I need a $25,000. I need a hit TV show. I need this. Yeah. I don't need a book, but bless you for even trying to. And it started to become this thing where it's like, well, you keep saying you want help, but you're not taking the help. So I took the book and I, put it in a drawer that I see every day, open every day, but it's just there. And I'm like, I'm not reading a book. I barely like reading. I read biographies and I love them. And then I put them away yeah. and I never read them again. Um, so I read the four agreements. Uh, I don't read the four agreements. It gets, it's completely collecting dust. And six months later, same thing. Talk to my friend. Oh, I'm, I'm having trouble. I'm just, I feel like I'm smoking too much. I'm sneaking it uh, just to smoke as much as I can without affecting my relationship. Um, and I, <laughs> he hands me two books and I'm like, you're kidding. Like, <laughs> well, why do people keep handing me books? And this one's thicker than the original book. The four agreements is like a hundred pages long. It should be an easy read for anybody who's looking to improve their life and just go back into the fundamentals and collect themselves. Well, he gives me this book that is loosely spiritual, um, loosely, uh, uses Christianity and science to help uh, somebody kind of uh, get over the hump. And I'm like, yo, this is too much. I'm going to ignore the scripture and just look at the science of it because yeah. that's not where my head was at. I believed in something else, but it was all too much for me to handle at that point. And he goes, okay, I want these back when you're done. And I went, crap. So the difference between the first book and the second book and second and third book is that he made me, he forced me to be accountable and so i finally read that book and in that book there was just something about it just said every day is an opportunity for you to start again and here's the science as to why your brain rebuilds when it sleeps you don't need to carry everything over from everything that you've experienced in your life and you can just start fresh and for just a moment all the weight of everything that i was thinking about the head on my shoulders completely lifted off and then I went on this massive hunt and I went to the four agreements, to the power of now, to this, to that, to this. And I was just reading as much as I could while still smoking, while still. So I would basically go, okay, have a coffee, read. I'm present. I'm conscious. I'm learning all these big words. I've never felt so intelligent in my entire life. That's enough. <laughs> Easy button. Get, yeah. <laughs> just smoke and we chill and I, it's good enough for me. One day, a day came when... Uh, 
I smoked and it was actually taking me away from how, how much I was enjoying my life. It almost like it fogged up something that I had cultivated that was so amazing. And I was like, God damn. I'm like, I know exactly how to quit. I'm like, message my family who had no idea that I was, had an issue and was like, I'm going to quit smoking weed. <laughs> and they're like, sounds like a good idea yeah <laughs> if you have to say it, if you have to say it and i didn't want to at all two months go by i go okay i think i found enough balance let me smoke again smoke again go you're addicted af you minute i smoked again i literally went oh that's why you're addicted to this and i was like before i could even speak that's the first thought when i smoked weed again no wonder you're addicted to this and i was like shit so I like did one of these and was like, I need to, I don't know why, but something was calling on me, especially with all the wisdom that I was gaining from the books that I was reading that were coming to me. Um, and I finally quit four months later. I'm like doing everything I can to kind of cope and get used to just being more present and not having what the world has, which is yeah. a very specific thing that says, it's the end of the weekend. You get a break from life and taking that away from yourself takes incredible courage and is extremely scary. And you have to have a good reason in your heart <laughs> as to why you want to make life more difficult for yourself. You have to kind of be called to it almost. Um, and most people who are out of control do have that calling, but they have to sit long enough to hear it. And so I was having a bath, reading a book. That was my way of coping. It was like everything just quiets down and my, my brain is busy, but focused on something. And that's the healthiest version of myself that I can think of. And I literally hear, why aren't you writing? And I'm like, what? Like what? What? And I hear it again to the point where I'm like, I have to voice it. I have to yeah. say something. And I'm like, I hear that, 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 I hear that. It's like, it's so clear. I never gave myself an opportunity to hear it that clearly before. So I heard it and I dried myself off and went to the desk and opened up my dusty ass laptop with Windows XP and a shorted out cord and was like, okay. And I did the same thing, the list. Let me take everything that I know I can talk about, everything that I've talked to about with my friends, everything I've talked to about with acquaintances everything that I've learned over the past concentrated over the past three years that has gotten me to the place where I felt like I was okay letting go of my favorite thing in order to get to, I don't know what that thing is. And when I started writing, I slowly started to realize that that's what I was meant to do. And I didn't show anybody anything for eight months while I just kind of worked I had a lot of freedom. I was somehow just able to pay my bills and write my majority of the time. So I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And finally, my husband, who is a writer and a director and a producer, um, I was like, can I show you something? I literally drank like two cups of coffee because it was like, get out of <laughs> You will yeah. do this. And I read it to him. He's like, you're a better writer than me. <laughs> and I was like, you're hard on yourself. You're a better writer than me. And I'm like, you're hard on yourself. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> Not true at all. It isn't true at all. And um, I was like, okay, it's set. Like, I'm writing a book. And then also, I am a writer. 
And then I slowly started just plucking out and finishing things that I had started years ago that I had just started and was like, just to stay creative and stay busy. And I was like, okay, I have to, I have to do this. That's amazing. Like, did it. That, I'm proud of you, man. Like that. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. As a friend that, to a friend, you're hearing this for like, the first time, by the like, way. <laughs> that, like that takes a lot to even just admit, like, you, humility like you know deep down it's like I, this isn't the way to live but and like just to come to the service and be like okay no like this has to stop it takes a lot <sighs> and you got it done and now you found a new love that you've like why well, haven't i started I this earlier you know yeah and Seems like you're killing it, man. I mean, your husband says that he, you're already better than him. So, <laughs> so it seems like you're everyone around good him stuff. is like eye roll. Yeah, <laughs> not true. How did his writing? Him? How did you meet his him? writing? So this goes back to our initial conversation. Uh, I the project that brought me to LA uh, connected me to the director of that film. And even though the project had issues, one conversation with him and we were like, Spielberg? Yeah, Spielberg. Stand By Me? Love that movie. Dead Poet Society? Robin Williams. Let's go. And it was just a, a very um, innocent connection, to be honest. It was just like I was in acting classes. And when you're in acting classes, it turns into this very like, closed um you know i mean they call it a black box theater for a reason yeah and it becomes your world and you want to get grittier and grittier and grittier and grittier that sometimes we forget that there's beauty in in the filmmaking and as much as i love independent films because you know um there's films that i that i love um but when it comes to spielberg i'm like that's the og like that's yeah. the guy they say Spielberg can direct all these other movies, but nobody can direct what Spielberg can. Nobody can quite get done what he's capable of getting done in the time and the expense and the performances and the longevity. Um, so when I connected with somebody who saw me and I saw him and it was like, this is great. And then moved in and like completely moved to LA going, Oh, I have a friend and this is it. And this is happening. And we were friends for years with just like a purely on a friendship level and until it wasn't. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm yeah. I'm happy that you found something that you're more like confident going forward with because that like the a different mindset changes everything. Right? Like not to bring it to me, but I was doing general studies at Douglas College and I was like I finished the second semester and I'm like, what did I just do for 10 months? Like, I just kind of wasted my time. Like, no such thing. And I'm like, why am I, I'm not going to do this again. So I didn't really, like, I just worked part time over the summer. And I was like, not even that. Like, I took a year off just working at a pizza shop. And I was like, this isn't really. It's yeah, not the right. goal, man. So, it's so not I the got, goal, man. So I got a full-time job landscaping, and then I 
figured that I wanted to go into sports broadcasting, so I took a part-time course. Because, you know, construction and then sports broadcasting. Yeah, came to, came to fruition. I'm like, yeah, no, this is what I want to do. So I started this, and now I'm in radio school. So, well, yeah, I just like, yeah, I, why am I taking general studies? Like, I took economics, and I wasn't paying attention during class. It's what you do. Yeah. So it's just like taking the time to like find out what you want to do is like really important. And I'm glad that you found something that you like uh, are more confident doing because that can change your whole life around. I was not enjoying the pro. I swear to God, I meet people that audition and they're like, oh, yeah, another audition. It's cool. <laughs> and yeah. I get auditions and I'm like, damn. <laughs> taking me away from what I really love doing. Um, and it just happened enough times where I haven't closed the door on acting. I don't, I think it's, I honestly think it's impossible. I, I realize now that I can't take something out of me that I, I didn't put in myself. I am a performer by heart and yeah. that's how I, I it will always be how I am. So I can't, even if I said I quit acting, it's not, it's impossible. I, I'm not the person that makes that choice. So I found something that I enjoy every day you enjoy you find something you enjoy every day I, I just i'm not as triggered to find coping mechanisms um in fact i find other things that i want to give up to get to bring to give space to what life has in store and i'm really happy that that you found something that you're enjoying doing today and there's 18 different things that you could be enjoying doing today too and we're yeah. starting to figure out as a collective that we we don't need to just be known for one thing. I used to laugh at like Kevin Costner because I'm like, why is he in a band? He's a movie star. And it's yeah. like, because he's a human being and yeah. maybe he <laughs> wants to sing and maybe he doesn't want to do a singing movie and yeah. he wants to perform in front of a live crowd instead of people that literally aren't allowed to react when he does something awesome. Makes sense to me. Um, but, you know, even hearing your story, I go like, nothing is a waste of time. Yeah. I didn't waste time as an actor. I didn't waste my time auditioning because the only thing we're here to do is to gain wisdom. We're only here to experience and to spread love. So if we're not doing that, it's not what I meant to go with it. But I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's literally no such thing because um, I see the worst decision you can make is no decision. If you're sitting there on the couch and you're unsure about what it is that you want to be doing or could be doing, you're you're spinning your wheels and driving yourself crazy. But if you go to Douglas College and sit in front of a classroom for eight months and try to keep your eyes open, you're going to know what you don't want to do. Yeah. And it's so much clearer. So there's no waste. It's like the quotes, like you miss 100% of the shots you don't take or the answer's always no if you don't ask. Like, I'm that B2. Like so <laughs> it, it all it all uh it all makes sense it all makes yeah. sense but yeah, it um, all comes together i got some questions that i ask everyone on oh cool um kickback i'm Relax. terrified but um just quick i want <laughs> you to um tell everyone about your romantic comedy that you wrote or um okay the, the show that you wrote yeah so I've already shared in this segment that I'm sober. I don't smoke. I don't drink. Um, it's just a, a personal choice. It's better for me. But when I wrote Drunk Jenny Sober, that was actually not the case. Um, 
that movie sprung about as something purely creative. I, I was working in a place that was not fulfilling me creatively. And I started working on a screenplay based off of a title first, which I think is kind of interesting because they're like, I think my, it, the story is a little bit cooler that way because I feel like most people will scoff why are you writing about such an important topic as you know, people that are sober or struggle with something so deep, but you can kind of flip it off as, oh, you just thought it was a cool title and then you wrote a movie about it. I also went through it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and somehow I foreshadowed myself going through it. So that's kind of what makes it more um, believable and the story more interesting because it actually cultivated out of my creativity and I manifested something that I ended up going through myself. So we were sitting around with some friends uh, I was just catching up with some of them and one of his girlfriends is named Jenny and she's telling a story and she's like, oh, this story is kind of like drunk Jenny, but sober, if that makes any sense. <laughs> and I was like, drunk Jenny sober. I'm like, that sounds like a Sundance film, which is a joke that I would just, to me, I'm like, yeah, joke always kills. Yeah. I'm like, it sounds like a movie title. And you go, yeah, sweet. And because I was so wanting to be creative, I was like, yeah, let me finally do that let me write a movie based off just the title. And at the time in the restaurant, there was a, a girl that I was working with that had came into, uh, came into work and was like, Oh, I just had the worst date. This guy, like I, he was too nice. I want someone who is a little grimy and a little this or that. And I'm like, she's never going to find love in those places. And I know that in my heart, that's my character. Let me take whatever she's going through and, write that scene out and then let's build from there and that's what drunk jenny sober kind of came to be i it's about a girl who is just about to turn 30 and she starts reflecting on all the decisions that she's made all her friends have made great decisions about their lives and applied themselves and she's completely lost staying up late drinking wine watching netflix and uh, serial dating with the wrong people, uh, sleeping with Lyft drivers and uh, going like, wow, what are you doing? Um, not based on me, thank you very much. Um, and uh, she has this wild night where she gets completely carried away and uh, her friends desert her and she's forced to kind of rebuild her life from that point on. And uh, if anything, as I wrote the story and as I go through iterations of the refinement process, mostly, if anything, the feedback is like, just put more of your story in it. Because when I started it, that's, I wasn't part of that journey. And now I get to kind of explain my journey of both relationships, because there is a person that is skirting around her who is the best for her. And that is in tandem with my relationship because I was looking everywhere else when the right person for me was right literally in my house. <laughs> so that kind of is part of that story too. So that I just keep infusing it. So um, I'm about to dive back in and add a bit more juice to it, but the screenplay is kind of finished. And so now I begin the process for the first time of kind of shopping something around. And I didn't always feel comfortable. I knew I had acting talent, but when you go into an audition room, you are proving to them that you're an actor and then proving to them that you're right. And then hoping that you have the right look for those two elements to actually come into place. Yeah. And 
being someone who's mixed race and it's harder to fit into a mold and a category. Um, I'm black, French, Spanish, native, um, Mexican, like all these different things. And they go, well, we need someone black. And I'm like, well, I can be that person for you, but we need somebody that everybody knows is black. You know, when they flick through the TV really quickly. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can do that for you, but maybe I can take some other role. No, we need this. We need that. Um, kind of like so that, that, that uh, scene that you posted on Instagram from oh, what's that show called again? <laughs> I only cause you put me on point. I don't even remember right now as you're saying, I'm like, what's it called again? Um, and I, uh, he's like, go look it up. Um, yeah. <laughs> please do. Um, I'm going to say it starts with an R just cause you put me on the spot. But, um, now that I get to shop, something that I feel wholeheartedly has all my artistry and all my kind of wisdom thrown into it. I feel a lot more confident shopping it around. The Upshaws. The Upshaws. I said it starts with an R. That's great. Let's see. Question three, which Dixie chick? No, no, come on, man. You got to ask a question we can all understand. Let's keep it fair. There's black people in here too, besides us. And the curly head dude <laughs> i think more people understood this struggle after after the, i posted that i actually heard from like you know the past few years has you know we've learned a lot about race and as someone with um an african canadian african mother with a mix in herself with mixed yeah. parents herself i had a lot of learning to do about a culture that it's like that i grew up around but still had so much learning to do and the fear of trying to match up my um my uh, my knowledge with what was happening in the universe i was just trying so hard to kind of play catch up and somewhere in between first off that was shot in 2018 and it only came out on netflix somewhere in 2020 maybe 2019 but it was basically two years and they held it until they wanted to post it. And then um, it's one of those few instances where it blows up enough where there's not too many uh, other characters in that, in that show um, besides the main cast. So it's one of yeah. the few instances where they, where they give somebody else some kind of exposure. Um, so kind of between that and then watching a few uh, Spike Lee joints, um, I was like, okay, I think I'm finally ready to kind of, explain about what my position is and all of it and uh hearing kind of from a lot of my friends that are also mixed and understanding that they had similar notions about feeling like they were playing catch-up um as part of their culture and having trouble seeing themselves or one or the other because they're not they're just people and then realizing the privilege of being able to be just people and not wear around the color of their skin has so much you know I'll get into it, but to answer your question, I just like shopping. I like that I have something to shop around that has all of me in it. And that when someone reads it, you get me or you don't get me. Yeah. And so I've always wanted that for myself. So I feel like it's a graduation into that. That's awesome. Joy. I'm happy that yeah. you uh, kind of wanted 
another route, and I'm excited to see how it uh, how it comes about for you. But uh, me too. I got some hot seat questions for you. <laughs> Sweet. I hope that I answer them in short periods of time. <laughs> the first thing you would do if you won ten million dollars. Donate ten percent. That's awesome. One hundred percent. One hundred percent of ten percent. <laughs> don't make don't, don't look at me for more of an explanation or else this thing is gonna be <laughs> 16 hours too long next question most embarrassing way you've injured yourself minor or major emotionally or physically <laughs> no okay we'll do physically mm, mm, mm. physically uh i don't think it was a birthday might have been a birthday i went to a trampoline park um and again like i said i needed to i had to show off i had no choice so i was like huh, yeah like i used to go to these parks all the time let me let me show you what i can do hanging out with hanging out with one friend i would try and show off and be an idiot or try and entertain imagine like six or six of my friends or oh. something we were all there and it was like yeah. you're gonna get destroyed yeah i can do this into a pool ask room so i do like a triple flip into the foam pit and i just hear this crunch <laughs> and i'm like oh no like i did something and honestly like i may have done something really bad like this isn't yeah. good and i i walked out of there completely okay and was like i'm too embarrassed to admit i shouldn't have done that and got caught up in trying to entertain people uh, so I just went back on the trampoline, which is definitely not something you should do with a neck injury. And <laughs> you looked at me like a parent. God bless you. I, and I, I just... <laughs> they teach you about, about proper procedure in, in that class. Anyways, so I continued to jump on the trampoline and uh, bounce around. And, and I'm like, ooh, okay, I think I'm good. Except my neck's a little warm. Yeah, in shock maybe much. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> My cousin's in town, so probably, yeah, that's exactly why. Not even done. So I go home, go to sleep. When I wake up, I cannot lift my neck without using my own hands to lift my neck up. Oh, no. And I'm thinking, like, you know, this is it. Like, this is it for me. And my cousin's in town, so I'm trying to, like, show face. But also, I'm like, yo, I can't, can't lift my neck. I did not have health insurance. You know, thanks, Trump. Just kidding. No, it wasn't even that time. But um, I didn't have I didn't have health insurance at the time, and so I was like, oh my god, either way, I have to go somewhere. And yeah. I went to some place, and it was closed. And then I was like, I just walk it off. <laughs> so oh I iced it, heated, iced it, heated, aspirin, iced, heated, and glory to God. Like after a couple of days, I sl slowly started feeling a little bit better, but definitely part of my routine to like stretch and to make sure that I'm stay ahead of things, but the mobility and the ability that I have to just move my neck is 100% a miracle and helps me to know that there's something else out there, whatever you believe looking out for me because it shouldn't have happened. In fact, I have this weird experience where I go, maybe I died. Now I've figured out my life and I'm on the other that's, side of it. That's crazy. <laughs> Anytime you hear a crunch is like just a little worrisome. Just a little worrisome. Someone has a video. 
or they've deleted it off their phone or it's gone corrupt, but someone recorded it. Um, next question. What meal or food can you not live without? Meal or food? Donuts. Donuts? Big donut guy? What's your favorite food? Uh, jelly, just a jelly donut. Jelly donuts are... Yeah, classic. So my mom used to, like, you know, we used to go to um, wherever we were, save on or whatever. They would just get, like, jelly donuts. So it just became the thing. And now there's no donut flavor that I hate. Donut flavors that I don't like as much, but I wouldn't turn away yeah. a donut. Donuts food are... is, like, ramen sushi. Ramen like, just yeah. yeah. Don- donuts, donuts never. Sushi is amazing. Sushi okay. is amazing. Yeah. I recency bias. I didn't feel too good after my last bit of sushi. So, oh, yeah. Playing a little bit of recency bias there, but I love sushi. Yeah. Uh, what celebrity do you rate as a perfect 10? <laughs> oh, I hate you for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you a lot for that one. Let's say. Timothy Chalamet because okay. I think I think all around performer good in an interview up and comer getting all the rules from everybody and is also attractive so uh, let's go I think that's the safest one moving on <laughs> I already know this answer or if any actor actor Jevin. okay sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> what if any actor or actress were to play you in a movie about your life, who would it be? Corbin Blue. Yes. <laughs> That's um, the only uh, appropriate answer. That's the only one you would get. Who else could it be? Can you think of anybody? I don't know. With this hair, nobody. Um, oh, um, there's a guy. What's his name? Justice Smith. He did the Pokemon movie, and he did. He just finished doing. Um, two seasons of Generation on HBO Max, and he's in, oh, it's a weird moment, and he's in, uh, he was in Jurassic World 2. He's a guy okay. that's screaming all the time. Um, and the weird moment is, is I saw him at a coffee shop one time, and I was at a coffee shop that I would normally go to. Some friend invited me. He was like, yeah, sick place. And there was this, like, because it was sunny and the, the sun was shining uh, on the window, they had lowered these drapes. And so there was just this cutout shadow and Justice Smith was on the other side of the shadow, chilling. And I was there. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. That's amazing. <laughs> because I was like, if if things had gotten the way had gone the way they would in my head, I would have had probably would have had his career. That's crazy. I love that. Yeah. Well, Troy, this has been fun catching up. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank um, you, man. It's so is, easy. Um I want you to plug some of uh, stuff, some more stuff that you're working on, where they can find it all, and just your social media, where people can follow you and kind of follow your life. Well, you can definitely follow me on at Troy Hat. Doesn't get much easier than that. Sound it I'll out. Put the, I'll put the name right there. Just kidding. No, <laughs> <not gonna> worry. <laughs> Make you edit. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Throwing all these things. T R O Y. H A T T hat with two T's chapeau in French um, with two T's. Um, you know, there's not much to promote. And I think that's actually part of the writing process and something people need to hear. Um, I have a screenplay 
uh, that's ready to go. It's a romantic comedy, and I'm in the process of anyone who thinks that they have um, a forum for it to kind of come to fruition. I'll take anyone who uh, wants to read it and thinks that they could do something with it. It's ready to go. I'm working on a self-improvement book with um, a title that I probably won't say just because I'm still working on how everything's come to fruition. And I think that's going to be, uh, it's half autobiographical and half uh, self-improvement, which I think is going to help a lot of people the way I wish it was all kind of stacked into one book for me instead of chasing books, um, which is cool too. Um, and those are the two things that I, I would say that I'm working on the hardest and keep you busy. So keep a lookout for a drunk Jenny sober. I can't wait. Troy, once again, thank you so much for coming on. You guys know where to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Plugged it all at the beginning of the show. Be sure to follow and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help grow the show. And Troy. And uh, Jevin, go to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need sleep so bad. Halfway, halfway through, he's like, why did I do this? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was just yawning because I'm just. No, you're good, man. I was afraid I was going to do it. Hey. Get some sleep, my friend. Thank you for catching up and thank you for thinking of me. This is a lot of fun. And uh, let's do it again sometime. Sounds good, man. Yeah, actually, I would love to. This was a lot of fun. Let's, uh, next time you're in Vancouver, it's, um, it's like get a coffee or something. Let's do it. Camera and a coffee. All right, be good, man. Yeah, you too. And we'll, what do I we'll hit, Lee? See you guys next time. Yeah, I'll just stop recording. I just gotta let go. Went from ducking and fucking, and now I got put in the friend zone. There's no need for discussion. I just really loved how you get low. But I'm dipping, I'm cutting the shorty, and we're being ten toes, ten toes. I, I just gotta let go. Call me a Benzo, paid all cash. I won't take no rentals. Killing my.